0: All houses wherein men have lived and died are haunted houses. Through the open doors the harmless phantoms on their errands glide with feet that make no sound upon the floors. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Greetings creeps and welcome to season two of This House is Haunted podcast. If you're new around here, welcome to my nightmare. In the days to come, I'll be telling my story of spending two and a half years living in a haunted house in southeastern Kentucky when I was a young girl. Due to the spooky nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised as I take you into a world filled with things that go bump in the night. The night before Daddy came home from the hospital, Mom insisted we all head back to the house to get things ready for him. He was still experiencing muscle weakness from the heart attack he'd suffered a couple weeks before, and she wanted to make sure the house was free of any potential trip hazards as well as lower their bed so that it was easier for him to get in and out of. On top of doing about two weeks of a family of five's laundry, getting lots of low-sodium foods and all the other plethora of things most folks take for granted that mamas do, she also took care of the animals down in the barn. This was a task that Wayne and his friends helped with primarily, but on that day, he had football practice and mama insisted she could take care of it on her own. The thought of mama alone in the barn made my skin crawl so I pulled up my proverbial big girl panties and volunteered to go with her. Daddy hadn't picked up the goats yet, so it was mostly taking care of the chickens, pigs, and pigeons. Molly and I had helped Mama put away all the groceries, or what she was calling groceries these days, since those rice cakes she bought looked about as appealing as the bottom of my shoe. But she said it was the kind of thing that Daddy needed to lower his co-co-co-co. well, I couldn't quite pronounce the word, but knew it had something to do with Daddy's heart, which meant I wouldn't endure living in a house without Chips Ahoy. The house was quiet and cold, the crisp air of the fall leaking into the very walls. Mama turned up the thermostat, assisted us girls get bundled up, and led us down the hill towards the barn. Molly had been much more reserved since the black snake had struck Daddy, and she had asked lots of questions about... Why a snake would go after a person like that? Daddy seemed to shudder each time she asked, but said that just like there are grumpy people, there are grumpy animals too, and that one must have had a bone to pick with a person and he just happened to have the bad luck to be that one. He said it with a laugh, but his eyes betrayed that he was not certain that a bad attitude was all that motivated that black snake. I knew from personal experience he would find a way to make it all right to find a reason based on things he knew to be true. It's human nature to put things we see and feel into tiny little boxes so that we can keep on moving forward. Some of us, however, don't have the ability to tuck things away, and as I walked to the barn, I felt the hair on the back of my neck stand on end. I hadn't been in the barn since seeing the thing in the shadow clinging to the rafters, slithering and twisting in ways that were inhuman. I would rather be walking barefoot on hot coals than in there ever again, but I'd be daggone if I was going to let something happen to Mama on my watch. Or no, oh, no, no, oh, no, not after what happened to Daddy. So there I was, one cold October evening just an hour or so before sundown, walking down the road to the little barn since Mama said there was no way under God's green earth she was sliding down the side of the hill like Molly and I had done. As we reached the wide path that led to the barn, the neighbor that lived on the other side of the creek came outside and walked to the edge of their property. Now, these weren't folks my family was particularly keen on. They complained about the smell of the pigs in the barn, had complained about Daddy having a rooster, Basically, they weren't fond of the idea of living near someone who actually worked their farm. I saw Mama's back straighten out as if preparing for a verbal altercation, but he waved in a friendly manner and said, "'I heard Earl's been in the hospital. How's he doing?' Taken aback by the question, Mama missed a step and stumbled but corrected herself. She took a deep breath, shook her head a bit, and said, "'What was that, Mr. Bentley?' Molly interjected before he could answer and said, That man wants to know how daddy's doing in the hospital. You okay, mama? You look like someone surprised the heck out of you. Mama shot Molly oh, you better hush up right now or we'll have a talk you won't like very much later, look. And then talk to the neighbor. Doing much better. He's coming home tomorrow so the girls and I are getting things all buttoned up before he does so he doesn't go meddling before his bed rest is up. Mr. Bentley nodded, smiling in a way that didn't look particularly warm or genuine, and said, Well, that's real good. You girls be careful going in that barn. The Mrs. and I heard them pigs squealing something awful last night. I thought for sure one of them was getting eat up by something, but didn't want to go trespassing or nothing. Mama's face became taunt, but she smiled and said, Well, you know pigs, they get spooked by a field mouse if it's looking at them the wrong way. Mr. Bentley said, Can't say I know too much about pigs, besides they taste mighty good at breakfast time. Here his wife picked her head out the door and waved to Mama. Where her husband seemed about as friendly as that of the black snake, she seemed warm and genuine. She'd been up to the house a few times and had even invited Mama over for a ladies' night of crafting. She called to Mama. Vaughn, I'm going to send Mark over there with you girls. I'm convinced there was something stirring those pigs up last night. As she spoke, the man whose name I now knew was Mark hopped over the creek and stood just up the path from us. Mama smiled and said, Oh, I'm not worried. There's no sense in Mr., I mean, Mark coming over. The girls and I have done this a million times and we'll have everything taken care of in less than 15 minutes. Looking ahead at Mr. Bentley, I knew better than to call a grown-up by anything other than Mr. or Mrs. With the hard line in his mouth, I knew he wanted to be there about as much as I did, but he was going to do what his wife asked, and Mama must have realized the same because she smiled, waved at Mr. Bentley, and said, "'We appreciate it, Shirley.' With that, Mrs. Bentley stepped back inside and left us all standing just a few feet from the barn door." As Mr. Bentley opened the door, the darkness inside was all consuming. I had never known a place that seemed to emanate darkness the way it did. As the light spilled inside, we could see that several snouts were protruding between the wood fencing, making happy, it's supper time sounds. Mr. Bentley, whose face was now drawn up, waved the air in front of him dramatically. "'Lord, how do you all stand walking in here? "'It smells like... like... Mama cut him off. "'It smells like a pig pen.' "'Exactly,' he said. "'I don't know how y'all can put up with this. "'I was hoping Earl would consider housing them somewhere else on the property once he's feeling up to it. "'Lord knows I don't like that smell wafting over my way. "'What in the world possessed him to get pigs anyway?' "'Mama?' reaching for the pitchfork, looked him directly in the eye and said, "'Because we like to eat, Mr. Bentley. "'That's why most farmers put up with all of this. "'It sure isn't for the fun of it.' "'She took a bucket and filled it with sweet shelled corn "'and poured it along with some water into the trough. "'The pig's eyes grew wide, and they rushed to fill their bellies. "'With them distracted, she set about adding straw to their pen.' "'Girls, can you go feed the chickens and pigeons while I do this?' I shivered, but I nodded while Molly said, "'No problem, Mama.' Not wanting to be anywhere near the pigs, after noting they looked to be in good shape, Mr. Bentley offered to help us girls. As we walked up the loft, he spoke in low tones. "'Something's been wrong with this place since we've been here. "'I was plumb shocked when they said somebody bought it, the state it was in.' Your daddy has done some good work on the house, that's for sure, but some nights I swear I hear screaming coming from up the hill in the middle of the night. Molly, looking at him plainly, said, Daddy said there's all kinds of bobcats and they love to holler at night. Looking perturbed that Molly wasn't biting on his spooky storytelling, he proceeded, looking at me. My eyes were wide and fearful, but not for any screaming he was talking about. We were standing exactly where I had been when I had seen the thing in the shadows. I mindlessly began adding food and water to the pigeons' cages, while Molly jumped back and forth between the hay bales. Mr. Bentley was leaning against such a bell when a large banging sound came from the back of the barn. Startled, Molly missed her mark and landed hard on her right knee. I dropped the feet I was holding and looked to Mr. Bentley who was standing there with a pitchfork he must have found leaning against the wall so tight his knuckles were white. What was that? he said in a hushed tone while I helped Molly tear her feet. She was crying softly while looking around the barn. My eyes instinctively went to the beams above, but it was too dark to see anything up there at this time of the day. Besides, the sound had come from much further back. Let's get down from here. "'I whispered, but Mr. Bentley stood stock still. "'It sounded like something ran smack dab into the barn, didn't it? "'He didn't look to us for answers, "'but kept repositioning himself to look over the stacks of hay and straw. "'Molly and I were now standing on the step below him "'where the of light shone brightly from the open barn door. "'Being in that light gave me strength, and I said, "'Probably just a fox or something looking for some way in.' Mr. Bentley shook his head and said, You'd never know if a fox was trying to get in, quiet little devils. As he said this, another loud banging sound echoed from the back of the barn, followed by the high-pitched squeal of several pigs. Mama's voice called out, Y'all quit fooling around up there! You're scaring these pigs to death! Molly called back, It ain't us, Mama! And we heard the sound of Mama opening the gate to the pig pen and locking it. We heard her say something very unladylike. And she was suddenly standing a few steps below us, gripping her side and breathing fast. Those pigs like to trample me in there after that second thud. Come down from there before they tear the barn down. Mr. Bentley took a step down. while was still looking toward the back of the barn. That wasn't the girls, Verley. It came from back there behind the hay bales where those empty stalls are. Not wanting to keep Mama waiting, Molly and I hopped down quickly and raced to the front of the barn. Mama, frowning, said, You think some of the roof came loose and is clacking against the barn? Mr. Bentley shook his head and a loud clattering sound came from the top of the barn as if something very heavy was racing across the tin roof. It stopped abruptly just over where Mama and Mr. Bentley were standing. Mama, no longer keeping her composure, turned and high-tailed it to where me and Molly were standing. She picked up the pitchfork she'd been holding moments before but was now brandishing it as a weapon, as if expecting some would-be attacker to fall from the roof. Mr. Bentley stayed stock-still and seemed to be tracking something from the rooftop. His eyes stopped again at the back of the barn before another thud and more clattering sounds, and then silence. None of us moved for several seconds, Molly and I clinging tightly to Mama's hips while she held the pitchfork in position that would have made it easy for her to lunge forward to protect her youngins. Mr. Bentley began descending the steps and said, I reckon you've got yourselves a haint." I looked to Mama and said, What's a haint?" In a shaky voice, the adrenaline of the moment making my legs feel like jelly. Something that don't exist, she said, giving a sharp look towards Mr. Bentley. Like hell they don't. These hills are made up with them. It was rough living in these parts, and that kind of living makes for a lot of ugly deaths. He was walking briskly towards us now, but kept looking over his shoulder to make sure there were no hidden attackers following him. "'Well, that's not something I like discussing with my girls, if you don't mind,' Mama said, shooing him out of the barn. As he cleared the doors, she motioned for him to help her close them up tight. As he did so, he said, "'I told Shirley something wasn't right about this place years ago. Always something weird going on. Lights, sounds, animals acting funny. Why, We ain't been able to keep a dog out back. They always find a way out of the fence and hightail it, never to be seen again. Shirley can say all she wants, but she won't let Precious take one step outside without her there. Hearing these words come from an adult I wasn't related to released a tightness in my chest I didn't know was there. I wasn't crazy. This man, who didn't know me, was talking about things I had felt since day one of living in the house. "'The animals here felt it, too.' "'He continued speaking. "'It's only right that you all know what you're up against. "'You weren't born around here.' "'Mama stopped him. "'Earl and I both were born and raised not far from here. "'Thank you all the same.' "'Mr. Bentley didn't stop. "'But you weren't born here. "'Paintsville was built up around Indian burial mounds. "'You can't throw a stick without coming across one here.' The folks developing this city couldn't give too fat. Mama's voice cut him off as she said, Thank you for your help, but the girls and I have to get back up to the house and get everything else sorted before Earl comes home. Mr. Bentley shook his head and said, Hiding from the truth don't help nobody. To which Mama replied, And scaring little girls with talks about ghosts doesn't help anybody either. Mr. Bentley nodded briskly and said, Mama. My mouth goes to wandering sometimes. And With that, he walked to the edge of the creek, wandered up to his front porch, and walked inside without looking back. While we walked up the path to the house, Molly and I kept looking expectantly to Mama, but didn't say a word because we could tell she was irritated. She purposely looked forward until the heat of our gaze eventually drew her attention and she said, "'If I tell you girls what a heinie is,' Do you promise to not keep me up all night worrying about it? We nodded enthusiastically and she sighed and proceeded. A haint is a hillbilly word for ghost. I felt my skin crawl as I thought about the thing in the window I had seen our first week in the house. Molly scoffed and said, Ghosts ain't real. Mama nodded approvingly and said, That's right. "'If I got a choice between going to heaven "'and sticking around poking into people's business, "'I reckon I'm going on up to glory.' "'Molly smiled and nodded. "'Me too, Mama.' "'Not feeling the same comfort from Mama's answer, I said, "'What about people who know they ain't going to heaven? "'What about things that ain't never been human?' "'Mama stopped walking and looked to me, her hands on her hip. "'Lord, have mercy, Tina.' That Mr. Bentley has you all wound up. Choosing to continue speaking, I said. What about that snake that bit Daddy? And the thing in the closet and all my nightmares? Why did all that happen? Why do we keep hearing weird stuff in the barn? Mama, one hand still on her hip, softened and sighed and said, Because we live in the country, teeny, and there's more critters here than there are people. "'I wanted to continue speaking, but Mama held up a hand. "'I answered your question, little miss. "'Now I'm going to ask that we make it up this hill "'and get the house together so your daddy can come home tomorrow. "'No more talking about ghosts or anything like that.' "'Looking into her tired eyes, I knew the time had passed "'to talk about what had happened in the barn. "'She had the world on her shoulders, "'and I wasn't going to make it any harder, so I just said, "'Yes, Mama.' we trudged up the hillside towards the house that was not my home to make it ready for Daddy's return. That night, there was no whispering in the halls, which somehow was even scarier to me since it had become the norm. My sister and I had been sleeping with Mama since the incident with the closet, and when Mama was sleeping, I would get up and lock the bedroom door and then put a chair in front of the closet to make sure we wouldn't get any rude awakenings. I looked out the large window of my parents' room that faced the barn, and I felt my shoulders tightening with the memory of Mr. Bentley's mentioning of Hanks. What I'd seen so far didn't remind me too much of the ghosts I'd seen in the Ghostbusters movie I'd watched with Wayne the year before. The things I had seen had been ragged, monstrous things that were about as far from human as you could get. As I lay there pondering heard several branches bang into one another outside if something large had landed on a branch and shifted its position so much that it hit another. My breath caught in my throat and I closed my eyes tightly. No, I would not look out the window. We were safe here in the house with the bolted doors. Daddy would be home tomorrow and we would all be back together. Don't look. Don't look. "'The sound of the branches moving again "'made me question this method of simply shutting my eyes. "'What if it burst through the window? "'What if there was a person out there trying to peek in? "'It seemed like most of the hauler knew "'that Daddy was in the hospital by now. "'I had to look, had to see what was causing the noise. "'I slowly opened one eye and then the next "'and crept to the window to peer out into the night. "'It took a few seconds for my eyes to adjust to the darkness.' My nightlight followed me everywhere at this point, so my parents' room was bathed in a warm white light. At first, I saw nothing. I thought, must be an owl or something else shuffling about, looking for its next meal when I heard the creaking of the branches again, this time a little closer than before. The oak tree standing outside the window was well over 20 feet tall and dizzying to look up at and my body stiffened and my mouth grew dry. There in the tree was an undulating darkness that was darker still than the night surrounding it. A pale skeletal face flicked from the inky depths and a memory of the thing in the window nearly choked me as I stood looking on. The thing was not looking at me. I was looking up as if surveying the top of the house. Its clawed hands gripped the branch with some force, as if it needed it to steady itself, but I believed this to be something out of habit rather than necessity, as it was partially see through. The way its mass rolled reminded me of smoke coming off the grill when Daddy was cooking up steaks for us, and I felt a sickness in my stomach at the comparison. This thing was not human. It was no ghost, no non-corporeal being hot in this land. It was a creature and a thing that seemed old and vengeful. as, As my thoughts raced, I continued to look on as the thing floated from branch to branch, never truly bearing weight but impacting the trees nonetheless. I needed to call Mom. She needed to see this. But I thought, if I make a sound, it will hear me and it will come and there will be nothing we can do. And suddenly, the drawn, skeletal, marred face with the sunken pits for eyes was facing my exact direction. Its head turned to a nearly impossible angle, mimicking that of a barn owl I had seen once when we were living in Indiana. The dark folds enveloping what should have been a body stopped moving, and its head leaned down, looking towards me with the hollowed would-be eyes. It didn't move. It didn't blink. I stood there, tears streaming down my face, unable to turn away for the fear that the chase would be on. Sissy? I heard my sister's groggy voice drift from across the room. As she did so, the thing in the tree leapt with pretty natural grace, and a loud thud echoed across the top of the house. My sister and I screamed in unison, and Mama jumped instinctively from the bed, grabbing the ball that she always kept close by when Daddy wasn't home at night. What in the world are you, girl? She started, but the thumping sounds on the roof stopped her in her tracks. I was crying in earnest now, and Mom waved me over to where she was standing. Molly had already beelined across the bed and was cowering next to Mom. The thumping stopped abruptly, and suddenly there was a loud banging on the bedroom door. All three of us leapt, and Mom tightened her grip on the ball bat and motioned for us to get to the corner of the room behind her. I pleaded for her to stay with us, to call for some help, but she said, shh, and continued to the door. She slowly unlocked it, and as she did so, it burst open, and Wayne came running into the room. Why was the daggone door locked? Without receiving an answer, he said, what in the world is on the roof? Finding my voice, I said shakily, I I saw something in the big oak tree outside the window. It had a white face, but moved all funny. It looked like a skeleton, but had tight skin. My sister's eyes grew wide, and she ran to Wayne, who wrapped his arm around her shoulders. Could be a bobcat. Billy Bob said there's a den somewhere on the hill. As he spoke, the plodding footsteps picked up the pace and seemed to be running the length of the roof before suddenly stopping. Mama motioned for everyone to be quiet and told Wayne, "'Get your daddy's shotgun out of the safe now,' in a very hushed voice. Wayne rushed over to the closet and pushed back the clothing to reveal a large steel gun safe at the back. "'0905, wedding anniversary,' was all Mama said when he reached the lock. The sound from the roof had stopped, but each of us remained tense. "'Should we call 911?' Wayne said the shotgun now firmly in his grasp. Daddy had taught him how to shoot a few years before, so he was confident in his handling of the weapon. Mama motioned for Wayne to follow her up the hallway and called over her shoulders, "'You girls better not step one toe out of this room "'or you can kiss Christmas goodbye this year. "'You understand me?' We both nodded, but the fear in my throat was enough to make me abandon Christmas and follow her anyway. Molly and I jumped back in the bed, pulled up the covers, and listened." We heard the front door creak, and a couple minutes later, the sound of a shotgun filled the air. Our eyes wide, we listened as the front door shut again, and Wayne and Mom walked back into the bedroom. Mom spoke first. Wayne swears he saw something on the side of the hill, so he fired a shot in the air to scare whatever it is off. Wayne looked more like a cocky teenager again and said, I had it all under control. Mama rolled her eyes and... (laughs) and looked to Molly and I. You girls okay? We both jumped and ran and wrapped Wayne and Mama both in a bear hug. We stayed that way for several seconds before Wayne removed himself to put the gun away. She flipped the overhead light on and said, I don't think any of us are getting any sleep tonight. How about we watch a movie in the living room and have a slumber party? Bubby too, Molly said, clinging to Wayne's hand. He huffed and said, "'Yeah, I'll come out there just in case whatever it is decides to start dancing on the roof again. "'I know the gun safe code now,' Mom said. "'That'll be changed tomorrow morning, young fella. I helped grab pillows to carry to the living room, but didn't speak much as the others laughed a little more loudly than usual at the movie playing. Nervous energy. I knew what had been out there wasn't a bobcat.' It was a hain or whatever was rum in these hills that meant to cause chaos. My family had heard it but hadn't seen it. When would that change? I pulled the covers up close, my eyes feeling heavy after the adrenaline of the last hour. As I started to drift off to sleep, I thought, exactly what were we bringing daddy home to? Well, hello there, creeps. We've had another encounter with the thing in the shadows, and Daddy's coming home soon, so what do we have in store for the season two finale? You'll have to join me next week to find out. Thanks for bearing with me through this episode. I've had strep throat and bronchitis for about a week and a half now, and didn't want to put off doing the episode, so here I am. So I hope my voice hasn't been too distracting. If you enjoy the show, please remember to like, and most importantly, subscribe, as that helps the podcast grow. I'm a one-woman show, so any support, like, share, and review makes my heart go pitter-patter. It would also mean a lot if you would take the time to give me a rating on whatever streaming service you're using to help bring new listeners to the pod. I know you hear that for every podcast, but it is especially true. You can also find This House is Haunted podcast on Facebook and Instagram for updates and photos. I have also recently added a YouTube that will all be getting updated with old episodes until Season 3 starts next year. Until we meet again, keep it creepy and don't go chasing any voices you hear in the night.